This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And as you can hear, I've got a spring in my step. A spring because I've seen the first three points that Brentford have gained at home for six months. First win at home for six months. I'm so happy I've been stepping and jumping around the pub and they've been looking at me like I'm a little bit of a loon. I'm not. But... I tell you something, I feel so happy. We got it under our belt. It's like the skeletons out the, you know, we got the monkey off our back, as they say, um, which is all good. But at the end of the day, it's only three points, and we need to do it again. My name is Billy Grant, and I am back in West London at the Tap on the Line pub in Kew Gardens. I don't know if you've ever been here. I mean, sometimes you probably would never have noticed it, but this is probably one of the most handiest stations ever because it's literally on the train line at Kew Garden Station. It's literally on the station. So you come off the train and you go to the pub and you stay all evening and then you go home at some time, like midnight or something like that. So it's very, very good. People are really wicked. You've got Robin, who's behind the bar here. Um, Robin's a bee as well, and he's a wicked geezer, and he's very nice, and he's been taking very good care of us, and they've all been taking good care of us. So if you're in Kew Gardens, come down here, stop in for a quick pint, say hello to Robin behind the bar, and he'll say, come on, you bees, and you say, come on, you bees. But anyway, I'm Billy Grant, and like I said, I'm very happy. Millwall came, we conquered them, and they tipped their hat and said, fair enough to you, and you've just done what you needed to do. Laney. I've got the characters in the house here, and I've got Laney, who's also very happy that we got some points from Millwall, aren't you? Very happy. Um, somewhat relieved. I think the last the last sort of five or ten minutes were kind of a little bit nail-biting. We weren't quite sure, um, based on what had come before us this season, that we were going to hold out. Um, thankfully, we did. Um, I've got to say, really quite happy with this pub. Um, I, we, Considering that I spent one of the most miserable nights of my life in this pub, um, when we got relegated at Bristol City back in 92, 93, um, we, for some reason we came here. It was called the Something and Firkin. It might have been the Flower and Firkin 
forgotten what it was and we, we drank ourselves silly on dog bolter at the time I don't know if you remember that it's loopy juice um, and the other thing as well, I started giving out a couple of clues as to what pub we were going to use tonight on Twitter earlier. And I had a couple of meetings, so I couldn't carry it on. But next week, we're going to play pub battleships. And we're going to start off with a pub. And then we've got to say left a bit, like east a bit, north a bit, west, you know, south a bit. And then whoever it is that gets the pub name we'll direct message and we'll invite you down for a pint with us um, on the podcast so I don't know where it's going to be next week but pub battleships next week mate very very good idea and uh, I'm quite up for it actually I'll get my board out you know anyway, oh yeah well, okay I'll, I'll be here anyway we've sung about battleships yeah that's right we've sung about battleships so obviously people are presumed from that if we're going to be doing pub battleships uh, it won't be a pub in Italy um, the development team are going to be playing in Italy next Wednesday we haven't given up all hope of going to Italy as yet However, we're still looking at the flights and we're still looking at the hotels and we're still looking at the logistics. It's a 5.30 kickoff Italy time. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. So maybe pub battleships will come from West London or maybe even close to me in North London or maybe it come from North Milano, you know. The Liberal Nick. The, or maybe it might come from the West Country where the Liberal Nick is from. Liberal, how are you? I'm, I'm really good, Bill, thank you. And, uh, yeah, good to be back in, uh, you know, local stomping ground. I am... Um I've spent some of my misspent youth hanging around Kew Garden Station and the pubs that there were many years ago. Scrumping. Well, no, no, no. Scrumping is what I do now. You know, I was doing other things when um, I was younger, but we won't go too too far into that because this is a family podcast, isn't it, Bill? Well, it is a family podcast, but we invited you on anyway. But listen, the Liberal, I mean, I know you're a West Country man. Uh, but you came up for the Millwall game on Saturday and uh, you went home very happy, didn't you? I went home delighted. We won, you know, first time we won since April. I was really happy and I did. Fa- I was really happy because I got loads of abuse on social media on my way home. Every time I opened my social media on the train back on Saturday night, more and more abuse was being heaped upon me. And that made me a really happy man. We can discuss that later. We can do as well. I, I, I just want to know, when you get on the train, do you take off your sort of West Country tinted glasses and put on a different set of glasses? Or how, how does it go? When I get on the train, I get on the train... As a fully-fledged bee, when I get off it, I'm looking forward to seeing the sheep. You, um, he's, had, he's had more abuse on Twitter this week than Harley Dean. Well, you know, me and Harley, we always had something in common, didn't we? We did. Anyway, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. We have also in the boozer with us the Crumble Chris. Crumble Chris has not been with us this season. He's, 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 he's kept a wide berth, to be fair. I think it might have been due to the results. He thought, oh no, I haven't got any wins to talk about. So I'll wait till Breeze have got a win. Then I'll put the phone call in. I'll say, excuse me, could I come on? I've got loads to talk about now. So he said, come on, the Crumble. Come down to the boozer and you can chat with us. So the Crumble Chris, finally, you have brought luck upon us and you can talk about the win on Saturday. Yeah, I you know I was had a very good day on Saturday. It was brilliant. I haven't been back because my pre-season predictions were dreadful. I'm sure we'll go into those later. Um, but yeah, no, it was really pleasing to see the win on Saturday, and I'm just pleased that we can all get around the table and discuss how great it was and how we're going to win again on Saturday as well. Excellent, excellent. So anyway, it's been a bit of a bit of a week this week as well. I mean, like I said, obviously we had the win on Saturday. And then, I mean, a couple of days ago, I think it was two days ago, there was a really weird red sky. It wasn't even red sky at night, it was red sky during the day. And also, down the West Country where as well, there was a bit of a storm. 
whipping up a storm it was as well. Liberal, you were, you were caught up in all sorts of power cut malarkey, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I had seven hours without electricity. I mean, it got so bad that I had to start talking to my wife. I mean, it was that bad, you know. Yeah, that's serious. It's interesting you say seven hours without electricity. I mean, <laughs> listen, we know you lived out in the West Country, but we, we didn't actually... We're not going to stereotype. No, we're not going to stereotype at all, but we didn't realise that you had electricity down there at all. So, we're actually, you're probably doing quite well. Well, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, it, the hamster fell off the wheel, so we weren't able to produce it. No, I mean, seriously, actually, it does get... It, it, if you've never experienced being without electrical power for more than for, for more than two hours, it's funny, you know, you, you lead a whole new way of life. And, um, you know, it's... Um, I hope it's not a too frequent occurrence. Did you sort of get the cape on and everything like that? You started sort of singing all sorts of kind of really weird songs, and you know, in, in the house? We got a campfire going, sat around with a few candles and meditated, Bill. You know, a campfire really right in the middle of the, your living room? Well, it's, it's the West Country, isn't it? It doesn't matter. You know, you've got loads of wood and you've got a, a broken down ceiling, so the, 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 um, the, the smoke just goes through the roof, you know, no problem. Okay, I must must come down and have a look at this, but listen as well, because like I said to you, it's quite stormy. I mean, people say that the storm was a tropical storm almost, or some sort of hurricane, you know, West Country. I mean, the last time, there was some sort of storm beforehand, remember, when they knocked down the trees in Seven Oaks, and, you know, Michael Fish got it all wrong, and they, they seem to have got it all wrong as well today, because they said the storm's name was Ophelia. But we're thinking, this ain't right. I mean, they name it in alphabetical order, Ophelia with an O. Surely, I mean, especially we're sitting around here, these storm names should be named in honour of Brentford players. So we're thinking that this last storm, it's not Ophelia, it should be... What, what do you think it is, Laney? Awusu or, Ami- or Amigi. It can't be two. Just which one? I'm happy with the Awusu. He's more, he's more storm-like, I'd say. So you think that everyone was out there when the old storms go with their hands in the air, sort of going, Awusu. Pushing it away with their hands, yeah. That's right. So if, if after a rooster, then what, what's, what's going to come after a rooster, what do you think? It's got to be Piemonte. It has to be. There's no alternative. I mean, that was, that's not a tropical storm. That's a sort of, a sort of more of a European, Italian storm, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a, just a bit of like, drizzle, isn't it? You know, we're British, we can handle that. But it's, 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 it's emotional, it, it's vibrant, it's, 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 it's European, it's continental. A bit of a player as well, the Pinamonte, from what I can understand. So do you think that he might, he might be messing around with us a little bit, the storm, you know? You know, sort of playing with us. A bit of this, bit of that. You know, you know how it is on the continent. They can't handle this British weather. That's right, that's right. And then, and, I mean, and then Liberal, I mean, I'm just wondering, after, after Pinamonte, what do, you, what do you reckon? Quinn. It's got to be Rob Quinn, hasn't it? I mean, that's what the we're queue. going for. But, yeah, for the queue, but actually the biggest storm... Will come. The Quinn one will be one that everybody forgets about. It'll blow. Three or four. Oh, category. What? Whatever the lowest category is, that'll be it. One. Yeah, that'll be storm. That's just sort of sort of fart, isn't it? Because the big storm. The big storm will then come in. Which one's that? Rolling. The Roland storm. The storm of Roland. Oh, Roland's. You're not allowed to. Rolling, rolling, You're not allowed to mention that, are you? Not allowed to mention that. Well, you're a charming. <laughs> you mentioned? Did, oh, did you mention it? Oh, who? I don't know. Uh, not mention it. Anyway, big big storm. Roland's actually. You know, you know. But the the Roland storm will be the only one where you have a blue sky. Never mind red sky. It'll be that blue sky. You know, with white streaks through the hair. You know, badge kissing and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And then after that, I mean, like I said to you, is this, we're coming through the storm season. Probably the last storm of the season. We're thinking it might be a, a Savile storm. So, no, it's just a kind of a wet 
wet drizzle. It's not. It's not. It's not even a tropical storm. It's not a nothing. You can't. You just blow over. We'll fall over probably or dive over. I think a, a shipley is like S is a shipley. You want like a proper moody big brewing storm. Huh? Right, we're going for it. So this is basically that, that's, that's, that is autumn in Brentford land, in Stormland is Brentford. So we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want a Sam Saunders. I want a Sam Saunders storm because it's the only storm where you'll get a suntan at the same time. You know, it's not bad. It's not a bad shout actually. You, you can't necessarily have three S's, so we, that'll have to be decided by the meteorological department. But anyway, maybe if we put that forward next year when the storms come, we'll have proper storms and not on this Ophelia nonsense and all that kind of business. But anyway, forgetting about the storms, the storms are over or almost over for this uh, for this this quarter. That's very American. We're going to go back to Saturday when we played Millwall, when we beat Millwall, when we actually were very, very nervous for the last 20 minutes. We were whistling, we were howling, we were putting our hands over our eyes. We were very, very nervous that Millwall were going to equalise. They had a penalty and they missed the penalty. They came down and Bentley made brilliant saves, but still we stuck it out. We got the three points and we clapped them off at the end like they won the FA Cup final. It was absolutely brilliant. But forget about us talking about it. Let's go back to the pub. Let's listen to what the fans had to say, Millwall fans and Brentford fans, after the game. The two good teams, actually. Millwall were a tough side to play against. And I think our man in the match, first half with Sawyer's superb. Really controlled the game. Second half, uh, Bentley really came into his own. Two brilliant saves before the penalty save. Again, superb. Really good performance from us against a good team well done Benford it's a big win we, we missed some chances but we, we took a, an aerial assault in the second half and we stood up to it and fair play to the boys for doing that at the end some of our game management wasn't great we had the chance to hold the ball up top and we didn't quite do it we missed Sawyers when we moved him wide and to be honest we're badly lacking someone like Canos to come and give us an attacking impetus as a sub but it's a big win and a great win if, if Millwall are going to go away disappointed they got the ball in the net just after the penalty was given but you have to play to the whistle it's a big win come on you bees oh, we needed that really I've spoken to you after most of the games where I don't know what to say today we didn't play quite so well but finally got that little bit of luck we needed really with the penalty and uh, we'll, we'll go back and we'll laugh about that but we did alright there was some good stuff in there the nerves kicked in at the end you know you can talk about whether it's game management or not but they were desperate to hang on a little bit at the end and they threw at us they put the giraffe up front um, but all in all enough good stuff we needed three points we got it happy days yeah, yeah it was a tough game today I tell you they threw everything at us uh, big boys dirty looking play I think it was we were, there was only one football team a day mate that was us and we came through in the end thankfully we stopped playing we stopped playing then we started we panicking because we 1-0 up for the first time in a long time at home I don't think we knew what to do with it then and then they threw everything at us uh, it, was, it was back to the wall I think it was second half but we actually stood firm um, so now we did it we did it in the end Richard, Richard Lee, but you know, Richard Lee, I mean, you watched this game today. How do you think? Because we've been gutted. Brentford have been playing some great football, like Millwall from what I've heard, but haven't been quite getting the results. We finally managed to eke out a result today. I mean, how do you think this game went? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was a tight game, I think. Uh, obviously, from a goalkeeping point of view, it was great to see Dan Bentley and, and uh, play and play to the level that he did. And I think if it wasn't for him, it's probably a draw today, if, uh, if not a different result. So, now credit to... Uh, that's credit to Brentford, I guess, for, for digging in in the end. The team's ready and set up to, to be, you know, to be top six, I think. But 
uh, hasn't quite started the way it should have, in my opinion. The reason I wanted to uh, actually contribute tonight, Billy, was I actually wanted to praise the referee. I thought the refereeing performance today was superb. Given some of the rubbish that we've had to put up with in the Championship this year, Lee Probert, who is a Premiership referee, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of the Millwall are probably complaining about what happened over the penalty. But as a whole, I thought it was really fair on. It, he made a lot of decisions, or let a lot of challenges go, stuff that in the Championship we would have seen cards produced, we would have seen the game stop-start. He let the game flow in a good way. And I reckon I'm first to criticise when referees have a bad game. This time, I think we ought to really ought to say all Championship referees should be sent a video tape of this game and said, look how a Premiership referee did this game. I think we were tenacious, we really got stuck in. But, you know, I just thought we lacked a little bit of belief. We've lost Steve Morrison up front, and without that, it felt to me like we were hoofing it a little bit too much aimlessly forward and just hoping for the best. Having said that, I thought we could have easily got a point out of the game, and I thought that actually, that, you know, the incident in the game really was that Lee Probert didn't play advantage and um, and, and and pulled the, got that goal back for a penalty. If that had stood, we would have got that. We, we, you know, we would have got a point, which I think would have been a fair result, to be honest. I loved our performance today. I thought we were committed all over the park. Clarkey at left back, absolute star of the show. Bentley in goal, man of the match. Uh, superb penalty save. But ultimately, I think, and I hate to say this, the focus of the match, which should be all about us winning at home and getting three points, is about the match officials. I thought they were probably the worst three match officials that I've seen at any level in football ever. The match official, Mr. Probert, strutting around like an arrogant peacock in the middle of the park, not giving challenges, and that invites Millwall to make more and more challenges and become more and more physical. The pushing and shoving in the box and outside the box largely went unpunished. With half an hour to go, I predicted to my friends all around me, he just needs one rash challenge from Brentford in the box and he will give a penalty. Fortunately... Um, Bentley stepped up and made a fantastic save. He's my man of the match. But, you know, we should be talking about Brentford getting a win at home, moving up the table. But unfortunately, most of the controversy will be around the match officials, who I thought were just shocking. It, it went our way, and it just shows you, you know, we say it a lot, it's a nine-month season. And, you know, we, 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 we looked comfortable today without looking particularly special and you know I'm just I'm just glad we could hold out those you know the, those last 10 minutes last 15 minutes Bill they was like oh god we were counting down the clock just to prove that we could hold out and win and we did and I think it probably did us a favour as, as Brentford fans we, we know that we can go you know we, we, we can be pushed and it can be nail biting but we can hold out to win and you know I think the lads did particularly well today and you know I just bring on Sunderland next week and I think you know more of the same so the Millwall match brilliant love it points in the bag stay behind after the pub afterwards people in the pub till oh, I don't know midnight I think it was it's really funny it's just how things change when you win a game you know people are buzzing they're really happy to be fair the Millwall fans came behind afterwards they were drinking with us they said fair play to you like you were right you were very respectful you know and uh, yeah we had a good evening with the Millwall fans but uh, you know looked at the clock and it was 12 o'clock you know thank God for the night trains and got the night train got home about 2.30 in the morning something absolutely ridiculous but it was a great night 
at the Globe and I think the Nelson and probably the Griffin and everywhere else. Like, you know, it was absolutely teething tremendous uh, night as well. And also we had Bobby Booker down there as well, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, unfiltered. And uh, there was so much London Pride unfiltered going down on Saturday. It was brilliant. So everyone was in a really, really good mood. Millwall match, though, coming back to that. Let's be honest, we were a little bit lucky. I mean, you've got, you've got to be in it to win it. And we were a little bit lucky. You know, we had a penalty. Millwall missed the penalty. Why did they miss the penalty? I can't answer that question. Maybe they thought they were a little bit, you know, tried to be a little bit clever with the way that they took that penalty. Um, maybe, uh, like I said to you, um, Bentley pulled off two fantastic saves as well. At least two, if not three, fantastic saves. And Millwall were coming at us. Some people say, to be honest with you, we were handling them and that's just what we have to do. But still... We've seen too many situations where we've lost points very late on the game, so we were very nervous indeed. You were very nervous, weren't you, Laney? Yeah, I was nervous because, like you know, you just start to doubt whether you can you can actually ever win again at home. You know, the, when you when you haven't won for such a long time. But you know, the, the thing that the thing I'd like to sort of like compare is you, the the feeling back in the pub after the Reading game where we basically we should have won the game and then conceded a penalty and they scored it and it was a draw and we went back and we just couldn't we couldn't be almost be bothered or face talking about it because we're like god you know why haven't we won again what excuse can we now pull out for this one and then the, the Millwall game on Saturday where it was pretty pretty similar we'd gone ahead and and they'd missed their penalty so and then we, we'd held out we really did hold out and I wouldn't say it was backs to the wall so much but you know you did kind of think is you know what's going to happen what 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 sort of curveball was going to be thrown our way so you know I think the only important thing was that it was it was our second win in three games we need to now start making winning a habit and again that's a cliche but you know we know that we're a good enough team to sort of edge out these these results more often than not now and you know there's only there's probably only been one game this season in the league where we've we've kind of really deserved not to win and the rest of them you know we we could have had sort of maybe half a dozen maybe maybe sort of nine more points on the table and we're, we're up there we're going to talk about where we are um in the in the in the table compared to where we thought we are later on but yeah I, I, it, it was a relief and um you know, it, we did we did celebrate it in style back in the pub. I want to talk to the Crumble Chris because you, again, we were talking about a little bit earlier on. You were talking about this game. You're sort of thinking we were due this win at some stage, and it, it's finally come. So you weren't really that worried before the game, were you? I was. I wasn't that worried. I think I think most fans had it marked down as a game that I thought we that we thought we would win and we should win. But I think it, it comes down to the fact that what Laney was saying that we felt relief after the game we didn't feel happiness or joy after the game it was a relief that we'd won and we want to get to the point where it's it's happiness that we won and we're not there yet and I think on Saturday again um, we'll go into that and I think if we win that game I think it will be relief that we've won rather than joy that we've won rather than happiness that we've won if we win that game um, and I think we need to get to that point that confidence is building slowly but surely that we're getting to that point where it, it is the joy that starts coming back from those, from those wins that we want. But, you know, everyone knows that we, we should be 10 points higher up in the league than we are, but we are where we are. And I think we've still got to be, you know, grinding it out. And I hope there are a lot of positives to take from the Millwall game. 
I think it was a very nervous game. I was watching the last half an hour, like the second half behind, you know, hand, hidden, hidden away because when they brought up that that big lad that came played up played up front. Edwards. We didn't have a clue. We we could not deal with it, and I think I felt as well as Egan and Bjelland played I felt they couldn't handle it whether they deliberately sat back let him win the headers and they focused on winning the second balls I don't know um, he, was a, he was a whole foot taller than them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would admit I mean I, I'm not volunteering to go forward and, uh, yeah exactly but I, I feel like we didn't quite um, deal with it I think a stronger side with a stronger finisher may well have, have punished us but um you know I'm being a bit negative and I'll leave that to other people on the podcast to, to play that role and, and and if you sort of check the um, and, and, and like I said the, the pre-match show, the post-match podcast as well we um, we spoke to Richard Lee Richard Lee was on there as you can hear and he was uh, chatting away to us as well and also so was the tall striker you're talking about Tom Elliott Tom Elliott was on there as well and he was chatting uh, well I was he trying to get chatting, he, he wasn't chatting at all actually <laughs> I was trying to get him to chat and he did the old no comment I'm not allowed to comment. No comment, no. So uh, Richard Lee was with him there. I'm not sure if Richard's looking after him because he was with him and he said he'd been to a few Millwall matches. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he's uh, he's representing him, like you know, Richard Lee. So, but Richard Lee had a little bit of a chat there, and um, yeah. Well, well, Richard Lee has just published a book, uh, how to uh, get it's it's uh, like a self-help book for young footballers and their parents how they should become professional footballers so maybe it was trying to help Tom Emily I mean he is like 6 foot 6 but I don't know how old he is so maybe it's the book's for him he he originally like I said to you I heard him play that he actually played for actually played for AFC Wimbledon he played for Leeds United then he played for AFC Wimbledon and he was actually at AFC Wimbledon when they got promoted to the to the league, which I was at that game actually at Man City as well, which is about two, two or three, three or four years ago. Loyal, loyal supporter as always, Bill. You know, yeah. What do you mean? So Brentford weren't playing that day. It was the end of the season. I went to a playoff game to go and see AFC Wimbledon with my mates because I like watching football matches. Is there anything wrong with that, Liberal? No, of course not. But you know, you do spread your favours quite thinly at times. Favours? I just like watching football. I've been to Japan to watch football. I've been to I've been everywhere to watch football all around the world. So here you go. Get you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Liberal, have you, you haven't been down to St James's Park till this season, have you? Uh, yeah, funny you should say oh, that. Actually, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah, oh, but you know, but, but, but that's all right, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they play in red and white stripes. No interest. <laughs> but Wimbledon don't play in red and white stripes, do they, Bill? So what's that got to do with it? Yeah, I, 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 I imagine that I was watching the Brentford B team or C team, you know. When we're watching Exeter, and we've been talking who, about who Exeter, and Exeter. To be fair, the couple of times I've seen, they've they've, they've actually oh, had they're they're on a bad they're, they're on a bad, they're on a bad run at the moment. But there's a couple of times I've seen this season they actually do play some decent football. So you know, if you are down in the West Country at any time, Brentford aren't playing at home, or you can't make it well, up to the frozen north. Three, you know, there are there are you know it's worth extra worth worth going to see. Good value for money. Uh, good value for money. So basically, one one rule one rule for one and another for the next. And, the, and coming back and coming back coming just coming back to this as well because obviously we're talking about your uh, you, you, your rose tinted glasses or your West Country tinted glasses because you went to Exeter and you didn't even know what team was playing. You thought that was Brentford because there was red and white stripes. So you need to. You know, you need to go back to Specsavers and get that sorted out, the Liberal Nick, just like on Saturday. Now, you know, maybe it's a difference of opinion here, but you seem to be the only person with that opinion because you seem to be very, very happy with the referee on Saturday. 
I wasn't very happy with the referee, but I was happy, happier than the many others were with the referee's performance. Uh, I thought your quote was, "I thought the referee had a very, very good game." I, I thought the referee had a very good game. Which it means was, that you're happy with him. Yeah, it was an. It was what I would call. It was a robust London derby. That game. Uh, you know, you could have played the old big match theme behind it and seen it in 1973. You know, with people. You know, taking a few kicks at each other. There was a bit of shirt pulling going on. There was a bit of you know, bit of tripping of of opposing players. A bit of the odd nudge in the side. I didn't didn't notice anything particularly violent, but the the odd you know push in the back and, and nudge in the side. Nothing. Nothing too, nothing that would ruin a player's career, and and it struck me that what Lee Probert did was he decided this is a London derby, he's going to let the game flow, and he did, you know, and I thought it was better for that. Some of the referees we've had down in the Championship this season would have been blowing on, the, and all you would have heard for the entire ninety minutes was peep peep peep, and probably we'd have lost a player on either side would have been sent off. Instead, Lee Probert refereed it. He recognised that both teams... And I have to say now that I was actually slightly... I'd heard good reports about Millwall. I hadn't seen Millwall play this season, but I'd heard quite good reports about what Neil Harris had done down. Your mate Neil? My mate Neil had uh, done at the New Den, and I thought that actually they were a bit... They were a bit of a hoofball team, um, you know, kick it up, get it, uh, get it up to the big guy and, and see, see what happened on then. And I was slightly, so I was slightly disappointed by Mill's performance. But what I wasn't disappointed by was the way that Brentford really battled and hung in there. And I think it would have done, you know, the, the 11, 12, 13 players that were on the pitch for us on Saturday quite good to, 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 to have been involved in a typical, rumbustious London derby, which the referee let go and, you know, people had to show a bit of character in that game and we showed that character and we won it I mean it was quite pleasing I, I agree with it that he actually did the referee did let quite a lot go and there was only two or three yellow cards in the end of it um, so I think you know that was pleasing saying it was quite a physical game I think he was let down by his linesman um, there was a very very obvious shoulder check from George Chavel on uh, Ryan Woods which the linesman didn't give obviously the referee was unsighted the linesman didn't give you know, but I think it's. I don't want to be talking about the referee. I want to be talking about how well, you know, quite a few of our players played. I thought someone who didn't hasn't come in for a lot of credit after the game, but was excellent. Was Josh Clark? Thought he played very, very well. Um, thought the defence did well. You know, I thought V Bay looked all right. A man coming back from several several weeks out. Um, you know, I think we I think we played well. I think we just we're playing well. We're just struggling to find that that confidence as a team um so i you know it was all pleasing um fight fought well on to the next one yeah i've got, got, got to admit when i was actually in the ground i didn't think the referee had had an awful awful game but you know once once i started reading what other people thought i thought yeah you, I, I can see that yeah I, I, I get where you're coming from I, I you know i didn't th- i didn't think it was a shocker but you know um i think mill fans were probably more distraught than brentford fans because you know um they they had a goal chalked off but i actually i actually think um bentley stopped i think he heard the whistle and i, I, th- I think he pulled out of the save i thought going back to what crumble just said about v bay um, I thought V-Bay looked strong considering he'd, he'd spent so much time out. Um, one, one, one move in particular where he kind of like tussled and he went shoulder to shoulder 
with um, with, a, with his marker on uh, you know just inside the uh, you know on the near the halfway line, and he really really battled and he, he did look he did look really particularly strong. So I think that bodes well. I think um, whatever the coaching staff or whatever the sort of recovery staff have been working with him while, while he's been coming up coming back from his hamstring, he's strong. His upper his upper body strength looks really 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 strong. Um, and you know there's there's I think there's a lot of hope there. Um, he's, he, he, I've got no problem with more pay, but I think you know having another option up there it can only help. What annoys me is that we've heard lots of complaints uh, earlier this season about sort of the tippy-tappy football we play, the Arsenal-type football, we never get in there. When we play a game where actually the players need to really get stuck in, they need to battle, they need to win challenges, they need to fight for the ball. Vibe was and Mope both was both actually were winding up the opposition fans and the opposition players too. Um, um, some of our some of our fans sort of say, well, that's not it's not football. It is. I mean, you know, you're never going to be able to play. Every game is not like playing Real Madrid or Barcelona. Sometimes you're going to have to battle and grind out a result. And I have been on. The, I've been on this podcast previously, arguing that sometimes we're not strong enough, and you know, we're just we, you know, we're not up for the fight. On Saturday, we needed to fight, and we showed that we had some fight. So full credit to the players for doing that. I think I completely agree with you. We need to show more fight. We, but I think you can. Whether it's complete coincidence, but the half an hour where we were under pressure and, and showed not weakness but weren't completely in control of the game was the half an hour, it was the last half an hour of the second half when we played that physical game and we tried to match Millwall in terms of physicality. And I think we almost lost control of the game. You saw in, in, in the last few minutes when we actually thought, right, Sawyers and, and Bebe tried to play a few passes together and actually trying to keep the ball. Why they didn't run into the corner Absolutely. in the last minutes, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that was that was probably the lack of confidence. But when we tried to match uh, Millwall for physicality, that's when they they smell blood in the water and they think the, no side can ma- will, will match them because they, there's this belief about them that, that no side can match them. And we couldn't. We got the ball down and passed it around them. We, it, everyone saw that we were the better football team. And I fear that whilst I agree with you, we that we need to show a bit more physicality. Playing a physical game is not going to win us points this season. Yeah, but, but I think Chris, Chris makes a really good point about the last few minutes where we weren't putting the ball... I mean, it's the Brentford style, isn't it? Is that we pass the ball around, we play to each other. And it worries me is that have the players got that so ingrained into them is that they're forgetting what is the footballing sense, is that at times you just need to go run it down into the corners and sit on the ball for, and, oh, run yeah. out, and run out of time. And it's almost as though we don't... Almost as though the players are told this is not what you ever do as a Brentford player. I kind of agree with you, but I think sometimes we get more nervous than the players do. And I, and I think you know if they're if they're that comfortable in the way they play in football, why, why why should they necessarily change it? I mean, I kind of yeah, I, I agree with you. Like run the, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not being pedantic. Yeah, you do run, you take it to the corner and you run it down. But that's that's kind of sometimes I think we're also guilty of being a little bit panicky. And if the players aren't panicky, why why should why should we be? Really, um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've got to say as well, I thought, I thought, um, thought like Bielend and Egan looked pretty solid at the back. They come on with a lot of aerial bombardment, 
um, you know, with uh, you know Dalsgaard, um and and Clark again. I, I, I still I'm still waiting for a little bit more out of Joseph Zoom. I, I, you know, at the, at the tail end of last season, I was like, got to sign this guy. Have to take up the second year option on him. Can't can't miss out on him. I, he needs to do a lot more from, from for me. Well, Josephson, I, I would suggest you as the type of player who actually isn't up for the battling game that, that, that you had to do against Millwall. I mean, he needs the time and the space to be able to, to play. I think Josephson will see play much better against the teams that will give us the time and the space rather than the battling style, the style that Millwall provide. I agree with you about Egan and Bello and what was really, I mean there were some long balls coming in and we've been very critical on past years, past months about you know Brentford being called out by the long balls. There were a lot of long balls from, from Millwall on Saturday and we dealt with them pretty much impeccably and I think full credit should go to the defence for that. And you, and you, I mean we, we did bring Mepham on at, at, towards the end you know and we, we, so we did bring another defender on, maybe that's, maybe that's the sort of playing it a bit, a bit safer. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you said, you know, we have been really susceptible to this long ball, and you know, we've seen it time and time again where they do just punt it in because they know it's our weakness. And then Mill really did blitz us on Saturday, and it, it, it didn't pay off. So, you know, whether whether they got unlucky, whether it was excellent defending by us, whether it was a mixture of both, but on Saturday it paid off. It was a long overdue home win. We just need to just follow that up on on Saturday with you know with at least one more point. But probably three. We need to. We need to. We need to ruin Sunderland on Saturday. Well, yet again, we're coming away from a game saying, and no one said, no one played badly. Everyone played well, which is brilliant. And I think it's another great strength to the to the squad in as a whole that Dean Smith rates Chris Meppham enough that he can come on. What was it with ten, five, eight minutes yeah, to go? One nil. Playing playing up in going into defence against a striker who was winning every single header. And he thought, you know what, I, I believe in you, I trust you, chuck you in there, put himself about, took one for the team, you know, ruffled a few feathers, a couple of blocks, brilliant. You know, the positives are there. And, 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 he, and as well, I think we need to, you know, we've mentioned Dan Bentley, and sometimes you hear songs like England's number one, or, you know, and you think, what, you know, what a load of twaddle, but... I don't think it is with him, and, and I we said I said this, and I think a few of us have, um, have agreed in that first season, last season, that he's destined he's destined for great things. Um, if you know, he said like we he got he got slated slightly, like he was here as a stepping stone when he signed for us. But I can I can see him playing for a Man City. He, he, he's that good, you know. He, he, he can be he can be England quality at some stage, and you know we're I'm I'm just. I've been seeing him in a, in a Brentford top for the moment. Don't big him up too. Don't big him up too much because he'll be the one that's off in January. I mean, yeah. Wow. We if really. He is, no. If he is, he is. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. yeah I, that reminds me. I want to take issue with you, Bill, because you said Millwall missed the penalty and they didn't. He saved it, and I think we should give him credit for that. Um, but also, should remember that England goalkeepers in the last couple of years have been picked when they've been in the Championship. I seem to remember David James being picked when he was playing at Portsmouth. So it's it, you know it could happen. So. I wish him all the best. Indeed. Listen, so we're up the table. We've got the points. We're moving up the table. We're moving on up. Indeed. But maybe we should have a little look back because we're probably a quarter of the way through the season now and there's all sorts of predictions flying around. So we're going to have a little look at what all the bloggers, all the fans from all the different teams thought they're going to be doing 
we'll have a little discussion to see who was right, who was wrong, and who had no idea what was going on. Last Saturday, Bob Booker, the Brentford legend, was down the pub. He was down the pub telling tales. He's a hilarious character. He had all sorts of tales to tell. He had tales about players getting drunk and players playing football and David Webb sacking him and all sorts of stuff. And uh, we recorded it for our podcast. So listen, if you want to hear what Bob Booker had to say last Saturday, have a little listen to this clip. Now, can, can you do, ooh, ah, Bob Booker? I said, ooh, ah, Bob Booker. The headline was Bob Booker. I mean, it's is a big hit with the birds. Right? Big hit with the More important, right? He goes, kind Bob and the budgie looked after a wounded bird, previously cared for an injured seagull. And the quote from you is, I felt sorry for the little bird. I nursed the seagull back to health and, and, and fed it. But I might keep the budgie if I could help it pull through. I've taken it home, <laughs> I've bought it a cage and lots of bird seed. It's proving quite expensive for a pet, but I don't mind. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? And, he, and his dad was a thief, but he was a nice thief. So he'd never come back and it was, a, it was a tough, tough time and not one that I really sort of relish thinking about too much, but it happened and you have to get on with it. And he said, I want to write a book about you. First and foremost, I thought, why would anyone want to write a book about Bob Booker? He's just a lower league footballer. I've been to Sheffield United. It's no real big deal. Done okay. Got into the first division. Bit of a journeyman. Been at that level all his life. But started in non-league. Worked in a factory. Became a coach. Become an assistant manager. Uh, What's he doing now? What's happened in his life while he was in football through the 70s, 80s and 90s? That's the beauty of this book. It's not just about game by game or season by season, what a player's bought with his money or when, what transfer he's had. It's about what it's like to have depression. What's it like to have no money? What's it like to uh, not be able to pay the bills or not have a car or how are you going to get to work? You know, everything connected with your life is, is more or less in that book as much as we could get in. So once, once Greville, and Greville done all the hard work, you know, I say it was easy for me. We used to meet sort of, you know, once a week or once a fortnight and I used to talk a load of crap into a dictaphone for two or three hours or four hours and that was, that was hard work. And I, I do apologise for the tears earlier, but we had a lot of that, didn't we? Because there was a lot of moments in my life that were tough, that, uh, you know, and I did have a breakdown and things like that and it's all in them. People don't see that. They just think a footballer just drifts along in his little world, gets paid, has a nice car, has a nice wife with all the bling, as a couple of kids, nice big house. It's not always like that, especially in that era. It was completely different. And I think a lot of people have read that and gone, hang on a minute, you earned 60 quid a week when you started. Yes, I did earn 60 quid a week. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a nice insight to what it's really like to be a footballer in that era. You know, and I think you fans and people that are, are buying it will relate to that, hopefully, hopefully. So, and, and Tony there come up to me and said he'd read the book and... He said, I wasn't your greatest fan to start with and I didn't really know where you was, really where you was coming from as a person, but I've read that book and I get you now and that's, that's great, you know, so that's, that's what it's all about. So get your money out, it's 12 99 <laughs>
But no, there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no pressure to buy it. You can get it on Amazon as well. Uh, you can get it in a Kindle. I actually read it. I've just come back from Mallorca from, for three weeks, and I actually, me and my wife read it, laying next to each other on a sunbed. Uh, and she read it, and I read it, and I was laughing, and I was crying, and she was crying and laughing. And it just, you know, we're really, really proud of it, aren't we, Greville? It's, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's not going to make me a millionaire. It's not about that. It's about just letting people know what that time might have been like. And hopefully you, Brighton fans and Sheffield United fans, can relate to that because it's, you know, there's a lot of Sheffield United stuff in there. There's a lot of Brentford. There's a lot of Brighton stuff. Don't skip through it because you might find it a little bit interesting what's, what happens at other football clubs. So if you want to buy it, great. If you don't, no problem. I'm not here just for that. I'm just coming here to meet you guys and, and help uh, Billy and, and, and Dave. And uh, it's been great. Buka. That was Bob Booker, absolutely and totally unfiltered. Unfiltered from the globe. Great afternoon that was. Lovely chap. And he might even come back to one of our socials. And just remember that we've got a social. Our Christmas social is going to be at the Fuller's Brewery. Friday the 15th of December. Tickets are going to be available soon, but if you go to the Besotted website, click on social, click the button, sign up, we'll send you all the details. Last year was absolutely teething tremendous, absolutely wicked. This year is going to be even better. So sign up for the social. Tickets will be very, very limited because we can't fit that many people in the brewery. But come on down. It's going to be wicked. It'll be really great to see you down there. Friday, the 15th of December at Fuller's Brewery. So talking about league tables, I mean, Brentford are probably not where we would like to be, but at the end of the day, it's, it's very early in the season. Well, it's not. It's quite the way through the season. It's quite the way through the season. And we were sitting down here and we were thinking, do you remember we did an article at the beginning of the season, there was two articles, where we got all the bloggers, all the fans from up and down the country to, to predict how they're they're going to do and we'll probably put this out on the, this article we put it up on Besotted as well so that you can see it it's really interesting to see what people thought their team was going to do at the beginning of August to where they are now and we'll probably have a look at it again at Christmas time and have a look at it in March maybe and at the end of the season but it's really really interesting because I mean have a look at this league table we actually potted everybody up against each other to see how they matched up and how they thought they're going to do against other teams and absolutely top of the pile Really, 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 really uh, so confident they were going to be number one. And the business was Middlesbrough. So he spoke to Rob from Fly Me to the Moon. He said, Number one, that's it, mate. We're in. We're gone. We're going straight back. We're going to do a Newcastle. So they were first in that league. And then second was Sheffield Wednesday, Owls Online as well. And they were very, very confident that they were going to get the automatic promotion place. And then we get Brentford, which is me actually, we're in third place. I was like the third most confident. Actually, I said that we're going to we're going to finish fourth. Then equal fourth was Aston Villa, Norwich, and Wolves. Um, we had Hart the Holt, we had Ed Cousins Lake, and we had Wolves Fancast. So we all said they're going to finish fourth. So we, those took up all the promotion places. So it's really, really interesting. I mean, before we actually go down the rest of the list, guys. I mean, what we can say about that? Let's just come to the the borough. And the, the absolute confidence of Burrow, and where has it gone wrong for them so far? They started off all right. Um, they're still, I mean, they're still going to be up there. You know, they're, they're going through a sticky patch at the moment. You know, we we, we saw that. You know, even when even when we played them off the park um, two weeks ago, 
you know, it was against a very subdued Middlesbrough team. They're, they're, they're clearly still equipped to, to, to get promotion this season. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything other than, you know, like I always say, I say it every week, this is my, it's a nine-month season card that I'm gonna play again. They're, they're gonna be up there. Um, they're not, they're certainly not gonna, you know, you, you compare them to Sunderland. You know, they're one's in free fall, and, and and the other one's just having a bit of a bit of a Brentford moment. <laughs> you know, so you know, I I assume they're up there. Going through that list as we're going to go in a minute, there's there's some real surprise packages in there. You know, you you look at you look. I mean, Bristol, Bristol City probably. I'm not I'm not going to say the word overachieving because that kind of patronises them a bit. I say they're kind of they're 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 more than meeting their kind of early season kind of expectations. You know, I haven't seen Bristol City once this this season, and I I I'd, I'd like to see them as a neutral. I don't want to see them play well against us. Um, but they've obviously they're another very attack-minded team. Um, they 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 set off this season like a house on fire. Um, and they were they were making lots and lots of chances, and they were taking them. Um, I do I do kind of predict that at some stage they'll stop taking the chances. They're obviously creating them, and they're going in. Um, and we know that that doesn't that doesn't always happen. You know, press press. And, and, it's, and it's interesting just saying the Bristol City as well. They predicted that they were going to finish 13th. They were actually 16th in our league so Bristol City kind of thought we'll be alright we're not going to be quite relegation we've been mid-table so they thought they'd be 16th in the league but at the moment they're fourth and coming back to Borough Borough predicted they'll be first but they're at the moment they're 11th with 17 points so they're properly stuck in mid-table so uh, they're definitely not doing and the Borough fans were really 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 disappointed when we spoke to them a couple of weeks ago yeah, they are. They are disappointed. They're, you know, I keep saying they're a good bunch. So, you know, forget about the good bunch chumminess. But they, they, they're knowledgeable. Um, they're not. They're not. They're not sort of like you know. They're not. They're not losing much sleep. I wouldn't have thought over the moment. At the moment, they're, they're obviously not where they want to be. They. They. They will be. They're. They're being the shake-up. Whether it be automatic or playoffs, we'll see. But you know, Bristol City. They're, only, they're, they're probably only going to fade. They're, they're not equipped for a, a top two finish. So, yeah, they probably will slip. The Liberal. Preston North End are the team that are overachieving at the moment. I mean, they're fifth in the league, 21 points, and they were down due 13th, is what they reckon. So, at the moment, they're going, you know, they, they're, they're going good. I mean, to be fair, I mean, Sam, socially Sam Martin, who's actually going to be taking us out for breakfast next week when we go to Preston. She's meeting us off the train at 9.40, going for a breakfast before we actually go for Saturday week. Not this Saturday, the Saturday week. Uh, Socially Sam Martin, wicked, wicked girl as well. So, But she actually predicted them to be ninth. So that's actually not that far off the fifth where they are. It's just that compared to everybody else, they're actually in 13th. This is the this is the Billy the Billy Grant school of mathematics. Thirteenth is ninth, but is you know equal to the fifth that they really are. I mean, uh, yeah, but they weren't. You know, I, I don't I can't see them being ending up in uh, the playoff places at the end of the season. I mean, Leeds are sinking. Uh, Aston Villa are on the uh, the way back up, but of course the really surprising one. Well to me is Wolves because those of you long term listeners will remember that I was a bit sniffy about Wolves because I thought you know there they'd um, entrusted their recruitment policy to one man one agent who was just bringing in players from all around Europe um, to uh, and I thought they would be a sort of fantasy team really and you know you wouldn't get 11 players who would all play in the same way and would all and, and um, would all um, mess around and they wouldn't get anywhere and as it is they're flying high and going for it and I think you talk to any experts 
and listening to people on other podcasts and listening to the radio, they'll all say Wolves are definitely going up this season. Well, it's interesting. I mean, again, if you listen to, was listening to actually another podcast, the old Total Football um, Football League podcast, and Chris um, Chris Powell was on it, and they talked about Wolves as well. And he said Chris Powell's like wasn't sure about Wolves beginning the season. Probably like a lot of us as well. And you talked about Mendes as well. I think it's the manager, um, the agent who's come in and he's brought players. Now the fact is that you sit down and you think. Asians shouldn't have so much power. Asians shouldn't be, be able to. But Wolverhampton Wanderers will turn around and say to us, well, it's worked for us, or it has so far. Working. Working. Don't know how much it's going to cost them. But at the end of the day, if they get the Premier League, they, they believe it's going, to be, it's going to be right for them. I'm not advocating we should, should have somebody with so much power, or we shouldn't have so much with so much power. But at the end of the day, I suppose football clubs have preferred... We know they have preferred agents. That's how they work. You know, People that they work with who they think really great, they bring lots of players in. I'm sure clubs have it. Brentford, I'm sure they have it. I'm sure Fulham have it. I'm sure other people have it. And um, Wolves have obviously got some high-profile agent who is able to bring these very expensive, but also they, they look very good, these players, to Wolverhampton. I'm not a gambler, but surely what Wolverhampton have done is they've put all their money on the black. And, you know, they have gambled it all on the fact that Mendes will be able to get them a collection of players that will take them into the promised land of the Premiership. If it goes wrong, what happens next season? If they don't, you know, if they slip down to a playoff place and they, you know, we know that the playoffs are an absolute lottery. They lose the playoffs at the end of the season. They don't go up into the Premiership. What happens then to Wolves? Do they then sink down the table? Because, I mean, we've we've spoken to subs today about the, the Sunderland game. I mean... I think it's a real shame, but I can only see Sunderland ending up in League Three next season, which is probably, in some way, for Sunderland, is probably, and they're not, they're going to not appreciate me saying this, but it's probably the right result because there are some teams that need to get down into the third division of English football to rebuild, to understand where they're going from. Sunderland is a one-city club. It's a massive club, whatever we, you know, whatever we might like to think. It deserves to be in the Premiership football, um, and but they may need to sink a bit lower before they get better. Okay, and just coming back to Wolves, just coming back to Wolves fancast, who actually wrote the article for the pre-season um, blog, you know, to say what they're going to do, and they were kind of confident, but they didn't want to push it too high, so they actually predicted they were going to be fifth which put them in the playoff places. So they're actually joint fourth because Aston Villa, Norwich and Wolves all thought they're going to be fifth place. So the fact that they're actually at the top of the path is almost like we know we're going to do quite well, but we don't want to say we're going to do fantastic just like what Middlesbrough did. And also coming back to Sunderland as well, because we did talk to Love Supreme before the start of the season as well. Absolutely A1 original fanzine from back in the day. They're still there going, doing their business and they're doing it full time and they're just doing it really, really well. Really nice set of lads. And we're going to be talking to Sobsey from Love Supreme a little bit later in this podcast about Sunderland but Love Supreme they weren't overly confident but they said we're going to be 13th which is mid-table but compared to everybody else who is obviously a little bit more um, uh, enthusiastic and optimistic they actually ended up in our league table 16th uh, our joint 16th which is just above the relegation zone so maybe where the Sunderland fans thought they would be is kind of where they are at the moment now ish um compared to everybody else um the crumble yeah i think i just agree with what we're saying nick's saying i think you're talking about clubs need to fall lower before they can come back and i think you can look at leeds you can look at clubs like portsmouth you know man city for example as well you know great examples of clubs that actually they need to hit really they need to really realize where rock bottom is before they can start to climb again but i think i think everyone's missing the one club for me in, in this division that's that's doing better than expected it's 
Sheffield United, I mean, they're, they're third in the league at the moment. And who would have had them as as possible promotion candidates? I mean, you know, even their own their own fans were saying that they you know they'd end up in thirteenth, and then you know they're third or sixteenth, sorry, and they're third. They're third at the moment. That's right. They thought they were going to be 13th, which is 16th in the league table compared to all the other fans. So they're almost like the 16th most optimistic fans in our little league table we put together. And and who has ever, ever, ever heard of a club in their first season coming up from League One into the Championship has ended up in the playoffs? I mean, I've never heard of that. So It's not going to happen, is it? Hold on a second. Didn't we do that a few seasons ago? I don't remember. I think I was too pissed. Oh, yeah. But you look at you look at the they, you know um, Sheffield Sheffield United and um, and Nottingham Forest. Neither of them have had a draw yet. You know you look at these sequences. It's, it's either winning or losing. You know they're up there because they've had, they've won more than they've lost. You can you can see that the margins. You know that that's going to even out too. So once they start drawing games, which they will do, they're they're going to start dropping away. You know and I, and I I don't wish any of them ill I think Sheffield United you know they've they've, they've put up with a lot of crap over the last couple of years so um, you know let let them enjoy it I I just don't see them being in the makeup in the shake up towards the end and it's interesting you talk about Forest as well because Forest with Forever Forest TV as well they predicted 13th as well very much like Sunderland they're joint 16th in the league table in comparison to everybody else so they're sort of kind of mid lower mid table Forest are 14th at the moment so at the moment they're probably doing as well as they um, as they predicted so they're kind of like should be quite happy except for having a lot of the Forest fans from what I can gather are not overly happy what's going on but what's interesting is that if you've noticed Forest as Laney said here they win games and they lose games it's very black and white for them I think they might have like won six and lost five or won five and lost six something like that but they've it's really black and white win and lose very similar Mark Warburton when he was at Brentford where basically the the the, 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 the his, his theory was to basically plan A was to go out there and, and win games and you either win games and if you won more games then it's better to pick up three points than one point so in, interesting seeing that from Forrest um, as opposed to say us at the moment now where we've drawn, drawn a lot of games we picked up a point three points here and there and you just wonder what is the kind of best type theory in a, in a league like this when you want to be chiseling away and picking up points and also getting your confidence I, I would say to Forest fans stick with Warburton because he knows the championship and he'll he'll possibly get you into a playoff position it would be crazy to get rid of Mark Warburton at this stage um, I think Forest are one of those teams who think whose fans think they're probably a bigger name um, than they really are and I would stick with Mark Warburton because he's more likely to get you into a premiership than changing managers isn't because the classic example of that is Neil Warnock at Cardiff City Cardiff City are second at the moment 24 points um, and that's because they have Warnock as their manager Warnock will get them Warnock will get Cardiff into the playoffs he might well even get the automatic promotion what you then do is get rid of Neil Warnock in the close season because he isn't a premiership manager he's a championship manager and possibly that's what Warburton is as well and interesting again Dan Lewis who's the Cardiff fan he predicted them to be 7th which has made sure 8th in the table so they were like we're going to do alright not quite getting there so they're obviously um, doing much better than the fans thought when they wrote the blog at the beginning of the season so like I said listen you can't get no one could get everything right but it's interesting to hear what people 
their thoughts are and what the reality is at the moment now. And uh, I'm just going to come back to because I know Laney wants to have a little chat as well. The interesting thing also, I think, is that when you get fans with proper reality, like you know what I'm saying, you get the proper re- reality bites. Because at the top there, you had Middlesbrough and you had Sheffield Wednesday. for yes, we're on it. And they've really fluffed it. But at the bottom, Bolton, absolutely, line of Vienna Sweet Boys, rock bottom at the bottom of the league they basically said you know we're going to be relegated 23rd joint 23rd with Barnsley who are West End Bogs boys who are actually doing a lot better than they did do but Bolton are right at the bottom there as well but also interestingly QPR are at the, in the bottom they're in the relegation zone in our league um, they thought they're going to finish 19th so it's 22nd in our relative league between everyone else so QPR are actually doing a bit better than their fans have thought so they should be happy as well Laney now, what I was going to say was, is like, um, what what benefit or what worth really is our unbeaten runs anymore? Because if you're if if, if you're you know psychologically and, and 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 as a team goes, you know it's always good not to be in the habit of losing. But if you're playing attacking football, surely it's you know it's definitely better to win three, lose one, win three, lose one than it is to win one, draw four and be unbeaten for 15 games you know it's I know they're about habits and, and it's about how you know fine margins but sometimes it's better to be you know if you go out for the if you go out for all-out attack then some some matches they're not it's not going to pay off for you but mostly over the course of the of the games if you're if you're a good team which we are you it's better it's better off it's better off not having these massive unbeaten runs anymore that's the argument that's the argument of a football purist I no, would it's not yeah, it's about it's about facts. It's about numbers. It's, it's uh, uh, facts, facts, facts are so old-fashioned. You know, I, 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 facts, I, I, facts, are, facts no, no. are no longer fa- facts are out of fashion anymore. No, no, but no, it's not facts. It's like so. So, you, so win, th- win three, lose one. So there's nine points. And I said, is it better to, than to win one and draw six? So then, so you know, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're winning three, losing one, and then on this massive unbeaten run, you're going to get more points. So uh, uh, to lose is not awful if you're if you're accruing accruing more points by by not being unbeaten. I would far rather be part of a team that was grinding out the results and have less points. No, if you're grind if you're grinding out the results, you're more likely to get the odd win combined with the you know the the, so the, the point, point you get for the, the draw. By grinding out the points, you're not as good as a team that can win three games on the trot. I think you're looking. I just what worries me is you're just looking for. You're saying you know let's play, let's have everybody playing attractive football yeah, and let's make it, it exciting. What you what you want, what you what we all want to see is our team at the top of the league. And I have, I don't mind how how it happens if it happens with exciting, beautiful football to watch. Watching, my friend. I don't know what you're watching because that's the only football that we have played for the last four years. We only we are only going to play attractive football. So this, so, this grinding out, this grinding out is only going to happen if we get a Worst team. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question there. So Derby County came down here a couple of weeks ago and they played some atrocious football. They started, the interesting Derby fans started talking about, oh yeah, Italian teams would say that was a masterpiece in defending. They play some atrocious, grinding out nonsense, right? Are you telling me that you would love us to play that type of football? No. I'm saying, the Derby football was particularly unattractive, but 
were I to be able to see a team that was in the playoff zone and challenging for automatic promotion or one that is currently just a few points, very few points off the relegation zone, I think I might want to see my team compromise a bit and be fighting up at the top of the league rather than down the bottom of the league. So so you would play Derby-style football if you were 10 places higher, is what you're saying? I wouldn't play Derby-style football. I would play a style of football that ensured that we were up the top end of the... But what if if Derby-style football ensured that you were at the top end? You would be happy with that, would you? I would be I would be pleased to see where we were in the league. Yes, but, but we're, we're, the, the football that we're playing and the squad that we've got is clearly going to get us way further up the table than we are at the moment. You know, no, there's not. But but we've played twelve games and we're not there yet. But, okay, but you want. But again, so you want everything yesterday. We brought in a whole load of new players, and you want them to click yesterday and everything should happen yesterday and the fact that if it doesn't happen yeah, yesterday then, then, you are, then you are quite happy to compromise our style of football just because it hasn't clicked and the players like if two years ago when Vibe wasn't scoring for ages and the players hadn't clicked you would have just compromised our style of football to get the results Wolves bought a whole load of new players there. how much? For, for a lot of money yeah but Wolves Wolves are a classic example for how much? a team that brought in a lot of players for how much? I, I, I have no idea what of money. One, one of them okay. one of them costs 50, 50 million which is more oh, than we've ever oh, spent okay. in, a, in, but, in the but, whole of our lives but I'm not worried I'm not worried about how much they cost but they brought it's important they brought in a whole load of players that are now playing as a team that are at the top of the championship. Do you think that they might have been a little bit more ready than us buying players from Division 2 who we have to we have to invest in and put a little bit more time if you spent £15 million on somebody? If you, if you spend £15 million on somebody, wouldn't you expect them to be at least a little bit good? We've spent a lot of money on some players. 1.5 million, 1.2 million, maybe 1.8 million. Yeah, but how long do we give them? How long do we give them? Well, we gave, uh, let's say, very, very, what, six months maybe, eight months or so. Well, how much would you give them? You would, what, two months, a month? What? Tell me. No, don't tell me. I don't, I, I don't know. I would, give them, I would give them a period of time. How long? I would give them a period of time. How long? To help two, us, two weeks, three weeks, a month? I would give them a period of time to help us make sure that we're at least mid-table. At the moment, we are not that far off relegation. Before you've got a crum- crumble sitting there, he's going he's gonna to explode in a minute, but I will, we'll go to him. But I've got to say, you know, we have already had three top ten finishes by, by exactly this kind of football, by exactly this buying philosophy, by exactly giving youth a chance and, and letting players move on and then replace, replenishing them it's a, again second time said it this season it is a nine month season you cannot make any you, you know we, we're talking about this chart now but you can't make any it accounts for niche this is after 11 games we you know we've got 40 40 12. Of, well 12 so 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 you know let's Chris what do you think I think we've got another 34 games of football to be played. Um, there's a long way to go yet. Yeah. I think we're talking about building momentum and stringing results together. Technically, we're unbeaten in the league in the last five games. But I don't feel any kind of strong sense of confidence around the club at the moment, around the team at the moment. Which suggests to me that you know, whilst we're doing well and we're playing well, you know, and being unbeaten in five games matters for nothing. Which suggests to me that actually there's... You can lend, actually lend some credence to the, to the, and I use my inverted commas, Warburton way of playing football, where it's it's win or win or bust. But I think we all know, 
actually, that's not how football works. And I think football works in, in different ways. And that we need those points at the end of the season because you're not only winning points for yourself, but you're taking points off other teams as well. And you're stopping them from getting the three points. And that's, that's where really the, the difference comes in. And I think that, that's really, really important. Okay, listen, we're going to come off this as well, but I mean, we've just got to say one last point as well. Interesting because we've got to, we spoke to Dan Ivory, really wicked guy, often partisan um, website for Birmingham City. And I mean, we spoke to him at the beginning of the season, we chatted quite merrily about Birmingham and us, and he felt that Birmingham were going to be finished about eighth, which is just off the playoffs. He was quite confident about them. Tenth in the league table compared to everybody else. Birmingham City, who bought all our players off us and spent a shed load of money, are still in the relegation zone at 21 at the moment now. So like I said to you, it'll be very interesting to see how things pan out. But, you know, maybe Birmingham City should actually stay, change their style of football and actually start playing some flowing football, actually, if they actually want to get up the league because apparently you've got to change your style of football if you haven't done what you need shame to do in the first 12 games shame we didn't have Nick Prosovic in the um, just before the transfer window shut because we probably <laughs> flogged him to him as well I'll tell, you, I'll tell you though the one good thing is that none of us sitting around this table tonight are wearing a Chelsea shirt None of us are actually, but we know that uh, Roma. I don't know. Apparently, they've taken the lead or something like that back there. So the Allard is probably actually kind of banging the table. Uh, was it three all at the moment now? So he's banging the table now because uh, it's uh, the away goals and then all this kind of stuff. I don't know how it works in, the, in, the, in, the, in that Champions League nonsense. Is like up there highfalutin. We won't be there for at least a few years. But anyway, two. Listen, we are going to talk about the game on Saturday. We're going to talk about Sunderland who are coming to town in their droves. First time in quite a while that Sunderland have come down to Brentford. It's going to be great for them to come down. We'll welcome them. We'll have a few beers with them. Red and white stripes, brothers in arms and sisters in arms as well. But listen, Sunderland, we've got no idea what's going on with Sunderland. So we're going to go to one of the top fanzines around, a Love Supreme. And we're going to speak to Sobsey from a Love Supreme because he's going to tell us what's going down with Sunderland at the weekend and this season in general. So, Saturday, big match on Saturday. We've got Sunderland coming down. The first time they've been down here since, cool, since the days when DJ Campbell smacked in two goals in the back of the net for us to win 2-1 against Sunderland, knocked them out of the cup. A couple of days later, he was off down the road to Birmingham. Steve Bruce had nabbed him. He'd gone down to Birmingham, and then, then we struggled for the rest of that season because we, we, we were at the top of the league then, and then we limped over the line. And as per usual, we didn't get up through the playoffs. But anyway, we forget about that because Sunderland down again. And Sunderland haven't had the best start to the season. And they're probably just in and around the Brentford zone. But this is a big game for us because we've had two wins and a draw in the last three games. So we're on the up. Sunderland, not sure. We don't know anything about Sunderland. So we thought we'd go up to the northeast. We speak to Sobsey. Sobsey's going to give us their speed. Sobsey, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Ah, there you feel. You sound really relaxed, actually, considering it's such a big game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lie down beforehand. It's uh, it's a bit early in the season for big, big games, but uh, the situation we're in, they're all quite big. That's right. Anyway, listen, Sobsey, but listen, listen, it hasn't been the best start of the season. Do you I mean what's been going on? Uh, well, it's only been, it's only bought and started worse. Um, to be honest, after the first two games, we'll you know, draw it home to Derby, you were expected to do well and a 3-1 win at Norwich we were quite happy after the first two games but then it's got no better than a draw and it's been we haven't even been in the lead at any stage of a home game this year so, so, so it sounds like you might be better away from home than you're at home to be quite honest with you. Um, quite possibly 
I've not won a home game. We have won some away games, but it, not many. But it's uh, it, it gets to people. You know, we've we've been just surviving for the last four or five years, and we expected quite rightly, I think, with a, you know an entire new squad just about brought in the manager experience at that level to have at least a moderate start to the season, and quite a lot of people have been uh, felt a bit of a kick in the teeth. So, listen, listen, obviously, I mean, Brentford fans have got lots of questions, I've got lots of questions, everyone's got lots of questions, we've got no answers for them, but we thought the best person to ask them is you yourself, so we now, at the moment now, we thought, let's ask Sobsey, I've got all the characters in the house here, we're in the pub, we've had a couple of pints of Pride and Unfiltered and Red Star and everything, and we're feeling quite merry, so we thought we're going to ask Sobsey, so I'm going to pass you over to Lainey, who's going to ask Sobsey. Hi, Sobsey, how you doing, mate? I'm okay, mate. Yeah, you're, you're keeping your pecker up, are you, mate? I certainly am. Um, I've, got, I've got a question for you, Sobsy, if you don't mind. Um, Simon Grayson, when he took over at, at Sunderland, he vowed, he vowed to take you back to where you should be. Um, he, he, he didn't mean League 3, did he? He, he didn't. Um, we can't take us back to League 3 because we've never been to League 3 technically, but we have been in the third level. Um, well, that was a long time ago. Um, it's a natural thing for a manager to say, and I think he's, we would expect them to say that. And you know, I think most have accepted that the first thing you do was build a build a team and a squad that was a championship squad, and then tweak it to make a good championship squad. So you know, it, it, that, that doesn't seem to be happening. And you know, and without without sort of, I'm not I'm not trying to stir it up. You know, you, it's become a slight, not a laughing stock, I say, but. He's really. I mean, how long? How long do you give him? Because you know, I know he's a decent guy overall, but you know, it's clearly not working. You know, do, do you do you think he's going to be given a chance, or have you had enough? Well, there's, there's two schools of thought. I mean, nobody thinks that he's done a very good job so far, accepted. There's those who, who for the last month, have said, right, he's not going to get shot of him. But then there's others. Um, who agree with him but think look the, the model for want of a better word that Sunderland's had in the last few years is to give a manager 10 months back and then start again and mm. so for that reason a lot of people say look for one sake whatever it is if it, it was you know Jimmy Campbell let him stay as manager just so that the, all the people he's brought in the backroom staff you know the 10 new players this and the other to give it a, a little more than two months to see if it works that might not okay. but sacking the manager every 10 months simply doesn't no, we've we've seen that so often. Oh, yeah. I look forward to I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, mate. You're welcome down the globe and um, you bring your mates and we'll have a we'll win win or lose, we'll have, we'll have a few beers with you, mate. Okay, I'm, gonna pa- I'm, pa- I'm gonna pass you over to Liberal. You go with him, all right? Okay. Hello, mate. Probably from Love Supreme Fanzine, which is one of the best around. Um, I've just you know I've let the guys into a little secret here is that uh, Thunder's on my second team because my grandfather used to go and stand on Roker Park. Uh, for oh, uh, good lovely. 30 years so you know yeah um, but what we'd like to do is provide on this pod we'd like to give people a bit of knowledge you know so who is the one player that we should be looking out for from the Sunderland team on, on Saturday who should we be fearing I, I think I would have not watched them this season the one who's, who's the statistics tell you to McGee because he scored four times and he's set up several goals as well Um and he's, you know, he's a tricky winger. He's been around a long time. He perhaps hasn't got the, the pace to exploit the space he makes now, but he can still turn the defence inside out. And every goal he scored this year has been an absolute snorter. So he, as long as you don't tell your manager this, he's he's the one who's most likely to give you the problems. 
Is he is he somebody who plays the ball on the ground and tries to tries to take on defenders or long balls over the top? Well, he's very much a, a Scottish winger. He plays with his socks around his ankles. He you know he'll turn you inside the old, out. The, the old Jimmy Johnson, yeah, that's right. That's, he's he's quite, listeners, yeah. that's yeah, he's quite a, a big lad for a winger. You know, he's about five ten, five eleven, so he's not a, a tiny one. But his problem is he'll try and do a Christ turn his own penalty box to get out of trouble. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> well, the that's the way he plays. Well, some of our players are like that too, so it could be. Oh, good. We could see some good footballing skills. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday, and I'll okay. pass you on to Crumble Crew. Yeah. Okay. Hi there, Tommy. Um, Hi, yeah. A question for me. So obviously, um, you're you know, coming back to the capital. It's big out for you guys. Obviously, it's your cup final. So I want to know, away from the football, what are you most looking forward to on your big day out? On Saturday, I'm going to meet it with an old school friend who I've actually seen him a couple of months ago when he was up this way with his family, but he's lived in Twickenham for the best part of 30 years. Um, so I'll meet him with him and his son, who <laughs> grew up as a son of Fanny Westman and didn't see his team win till he was past 20. Feels like us, feels like us this season, then. <laughs> yeah. And any, any, kind of, any kind of drink, any local uh, yeah, well, or... We're meeting him off the train up South Ealing, so we're going to have a walk down the road and possibly we're being told that the tavern is a little bit too posh for us. Yeah, they won't, so they won't let you in there. Yeah, OK, we'll we wander down the road. I think the Nelson uh, Billy provided a list of a few. Yeah, you, uh, you won't go wrong with that. No, we will probably wander down there. Yeah, the Nelson and the Globe, you won't go wrong with those. They no. sound good to me. Excellent. All right, mate, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Softy, softy. So oh, you yeah. talk to all the characters, the podcast characters, and I think they, they feel satisfied because you've given them knowledge. You've given them some good knowledge. But just, just to wind this up, because Saturday, it's a big game, and I know you're a little bit nervous about Saturday's game, but how do you think it's going to pan out? Well, I haven't, I haven't watched us every game this season. You think that one, one day we might eradicate all the, the, the individual errors and we might play well for 90 minutes and Duncan Watmore's had a game in a bit back now and you know he's looked he's somebody you'll not like playing against because he just runs straight at you and he, you don't know which way he's going and he's on top of you and that causes a lot of problems he was, he was Jermaine Defoe's favourite out ball last season was to give it to Watmore he'll get you 60 yards and a free kick but you know, get in the box and a goal so he, he's looking canny he, he might give us a, he might give us another outlet Okay, so, I mean, so you, you're confident that you might be able to do it because obviously you must have heard friends would be playing some absolutely brilliant football this season good passing day playing people off the park we haven't quite scored the goals that we should have done a little bit of bad luck a little bit of bad finishing um, we've got quite a few new players in there that you know haven't quite you know not they haven't quite clicked but they still need to click up Malpay good little player quite enthusiastic hasn't quite clicked Ollie Watkins is getting better and better you know we've got a new defensive combination in there as well so it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those touch-and-go games where whoever's on their game on Saturday is going to win. So I'm going to ask you a question then, Topsy. What's your record score prediction? Well, I, I said earlier when somebody asked me, I said 3-1 to us. I think we, that's what we did at Norwich when they were expected to do better than us. And, you know, swap our results around one of our draws for one of your wins and we'd be above you. So there's, we had quite similar starts, but your, late, your latest games have been better than ours, as you said at the top of the chart. Well, you know, I think, I always think... You know, it's always 11 against 11 and, and things might go your way one day. So I think we, we might have a good day. All right, so obviously, listen, doesn't matter. 
We'll see you on Saturday. 1,600 a few. Some of the fans will come down. You're going to have a wicked day in Brentford. Win or lose. It's a great, great place. Loads and loads of pubs. If you check out Besotted.com, we've got a pub guide in there. If you just check the reviews for this game, check out yep. the podcast as well. We'll have a pub guide. There's loads of places for you to go. All open door, no bounces, none of that nonsense. You can just come in, have a good drink. Um, you can watch the game, and afterwards you can come back, and hopefully you'll be drowning your sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, catch up with you Saturday, Softy. Nice one. Okay. Thanks, Bill. So that was Sobsy, Sobsy from Sunderland, who's coming down and he's going to have a bit of a laugh. Win or lose, he's going to have a laugh anyway. And all the Sunderland characters are going to have a laugh. Listen, don't worry about it, man. Just listen, just relax yourselves and come down and enjoy yourselves. I know that things ain't going too well for you. We're used to this, you see. We've been down here for years. So at the end of the day, listen, you know, it doesn't really matter. But if there's one place you can come down and have some jokes and have some fun with your mates, come down to Brentford. There's loads of pubs you can go to and you will enjoy yourselves. And, you know, just speak to a Brentford fan and they'll buy you a pint and they'll have a laugh. But listen, Sobsy was still quite confident because he said 3-1 was going to be the result. But I know you guys have got some different thoughts on the results. Laney. Well, we've never, ever had ever a nil-nil draw against Sunderland. And looking back through the years, there have been some very, very high-scoring games. Uh, lots of four ones and five ones, and um, back in well, I've been doing the big Brentford book research, and back in 1936 there was uh, um, Sunderland beat us four one. Um, no, sorry, five one in 36, and it was described as the best football Griffin Park has ever seen. I don't think this Sunderland team are going to rise to that occasion, and I think uh, plenty more water has gone under the under Q Bridge since then. So we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of good teams, but. It's, it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same great uh, Sunderland teams of old. So I'm. I'm. I'm predicting. I'm not, I'm not taking it for granted. But I think Brentford are going to rub some more salt into their wounds, and I think we're going to we're going to pull off a famous victory as we did in the last time that we were we played them at this level. A score? Um, I'm going to go three-one Brentford. I think we're going to grind out a result on Saturday. flowing football or this hoofball that you want us to play. I think we're going to grind out a result, show where we should be, you know, make our way up. Sound like a government minister at the moment. (laughs) Honest and open. Honest, honest, honest. You know, honest Nick. That's me. You know, I. You know, I think no. We'll 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 ball Nick a few weeks ago. (laughs) Well, long long. If if we are if we are winning one nil with two minutes to go, I really seriously advocate this time long balls into the corner and. Somebody sitting on the ball, you know, keep it, keeping it down there. But no, I mean, I think that Sunderland, Sunderland are are in a difficult position. They certainly haven't played at somewhere like Griffin Park in their recent history, um, so they'll be uh, a bit. They played at Bournemouth last year. They'll be a bit bemused by uh, by the passion that they'll see coming from at least three corners of the ground um, on Saturday, and I reckon we'll. Uh, we will grind out a 2-1 result for the Bees. The I, crumble. I disagree with what Nick said. I think they've got quite a few players that have actually played at this level already. So they've got James Vaughan, uh, Callum McManamum, um, what's his face? Graben, who used to play up front for us. They've got, they've got a lot, enough players who have played at this level. doesn't mean they're any good. Um, I think, I think, I think you know, they are where they are because they're not very good. Uh, I think we'll grind out another one 0 win. I think we'll we'll struggle. I think that, that you know it's, it, it's Simon Grayson in charge. They're going to be very tough to break down. 
they're, they're not going to give us much much away. You know, they've got that colossus in, in defence in John O'Shea. You know, the man never, ever makes a mistake. Um, so, you know, he's, he's an absolute footballing hero. Certainly of mine, at least. Um, but no, I think, yeah, a 1-0 win to Brentford. And I reckon Remain as Swords will score again, actually. Okay, and for me, I mean, I've said 2-0 to Brentford. I think that we should get a win and we're going to go on a roll. I am a little bit nervous about Grayson because last season he did us when we went up to Preston as well, if I remember rightly. And also, Eddie McGeady was playing for Preston as well last season and he absolutely did us last season. I mean, he was wicked last season. He was running at us and I think he scored at least one wicked goal, if not two wicked goals there. So that could be something to be a little bit nervous about. But other than that, I still think that we're going to hold on there. Listen, we've got the momentum going. It's 2-0 to the Bees and listen, we're going going to carry it on into into, into into the Preston game which we are looking forward to very much I thought, but, you, I thought yeah. you were going to say we're going to carry it on into the new year yeah, well, yeah, well, listen it's one game at a time like you know so anyway this is the besotted one game at a time grinding out the results ah, moving oh, the table. <laughs> listen this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast I want to say first of all thank you very much for tuning in Thank you very much for sending in all your comments. Thank you for us for sending in your reviews. We haven't checked the reviews as yet this week, but we'll check them next week. And if there's any more people that reviewed us on iTunes and stuff, we will give you a big out. We'll give you a shout out. We thank you very much. Subscribe if you can do. Please subscribe to us. More subscribers we get, it goes up the listings and we're very happy and people listen to us anymore. But as we say that as well. Also, don't forget, we have our social on the 15th of December at the Fuller's Brewery. It's going to be wicked. Um, if we can negotiate, we're going to do this. going to be a lot of beer to be drunk and there's going to be some Brentford legends and there's going to be a few more events happening on that night as well so please sign up for that and if you get it buy your tickets and it's going to be great to see you all there as well other than that Saturday Sunderland just come down it's going to have some beers season for Sunderland fans have some beers with them as well because we're going to have a really 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 good laugh we've won one game at home and let's hopefully it'll be two on Saturday as we say come on you bees you're on your bees Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.